0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from Metsmerized. With me is my Metsmerized brethren, Matt Brownstein. Welcome back, buddy.
1: Tim, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you, man. This is always, always a blast. And we have some news. We actually have some actual, real, you know, tangible baseball news. So I figured we'd, we'd go ahead and get the ball rolling once again. Absolutely. Um, we got some troubling news on Tuesday. Uh, Noah Syndergaard will be shelved until at least April of 2021. Uh, he's going to be going under the knife. Dr. David Altchek will be performing uh, Tommy John surgery to repair the UCL in his right elbow. Uh, Matt, what's our contingency plan, buddy?
1: Well, at the moment, I guess it's Michael Walker who, you know, has said all along that he was signed here to be a starter so i guess i guess he was right um you know but in all seriousness i mean you know really it's gonna be now you're gonna you know we were the talk of spring training was you know who's gonna be the odd man out when you have uh steven matt and michael walker at the back end there and now you know whenever the season does start it looks like you're gonna have both matt's and Walker in the uh, rotation which you know it's it's gonna take it's it's gonna hurt not having you know an arm like Syndergaard up there at the top of the rotation um Obviously, for all of this year, whenever the season starts, I mean, I know you know people are always going to look at Syndergaard, and I think a lot of the issues with Syndergaard and, and what people have with him is the fact that he's got all the tools, he's got the makeup, he's got the you know the the repertoire to be an ace each year, you know, without question. And you know, if he doesn't do that on a consistent basis, people will think of him almost as a bust. But you know, last year, I mean, he still pitched, you know, still posted a, a 4.4 four uh, point four graphs WAR. Uh, you know, which is in the top 15 of all starting pitchers last year, and to replace a guy of his ilk uh, is no small task, especially when you're asking a guy like Michael Waka, who, you know, posted a negative war last year, to go in and step in to take, you know, the reins from Syndergaard is a, is a
0: tall task. You know, and I, I'm not, I guess, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at it from a different point of view almost. Um, you know, losing Syndergaard, yes, certainly hurts, and it doesn't, of course, it matters what his ERA is, but when you have peripherals that are in, you know, the top top ten percent of the league, pretty much across the board, um, you know, you're always going to miss that level of, of production. Um, I, I am excited to see Marcus Stroman move into the number two spot. I think that Michael Walker, when looked at solely in a vacuum as a number five starter, um, he certainly has potential to fill that role. I'm a little concerned. Not really concerned. I'm kind of more intrigued with the depth behind Waka, let's say, in AAA Syracuse. So you have Peterson, David Peterson, Steven Goncalves, Walker Lockett, who was having a really nice spring before things shut down. Uh, no earned runs over 4.2 innings. Yep. Corey Oswalt. And then you have a couple of guys the Mets brought in on minor league deals this offseason. Erasmo uh, Ramirez, who was having a terrific spring. Uh, Pedro Payano who came from texas i want to say uh who's also looking looking strong for a while and they could both swing both ways as far as starters and relievers um my question is are any of these guys ready to be thrown into that role if there's uh an injury in the rotation should the mets go out uh, should they be looking for major league ready depth or are you comfortable heading into a (laughs) <laughs> this season we're going to call it this season whenever that may start. Whenever Are it you? May call- start. Yeah, whenever Whatever these things happen. Well, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. Please go ahead. You know that you got you got my gist. Uh, yeah, definitely, and I,
1: I think it's interesting. I think you know you, you mentioned uh, Walker Walker Lockett, who I think might have the upper hand here because considering he's out of minor league options. Um, you know, he might be the guy that, yeah, you give that 26 man to. And, you know, there's talk, too, that they might even expand the rosters whenever the season does start, um, you know, beyond the 26 26, uh, players. But, um, you know, he's certainly a guy, I think, that might get the first shot just because of the option situation that he has. But, yeah, you know, you listed some guys. I mean, David Peterson, obviously, has been a prospect of theirs that's been in the top 10 for several years and, uh, um, you know, had good peripherals last year. Um, And I think – you know, had a decent spring. He's a guy that I, I think will be given a look and, you know, especially could be penciled in for 2021, um, considering that beyond Jacob deGrom and Stephen Matz and whenever Syndergaard comes back in 2021, those are the two guys that you have lined up because obviously Stroman's going to be a free agent after this year, um, Porcello as well. So uh, you have to, you know, consider that Peterson's going to have a look at some point um, this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they do have some depth. Um, and that's why you know you do bring in guys you know like those names that you listed, but I, I still think you know it just for, I don't think it, I'm going to go back a little bit to you know fans that are you know not I, I shouldn't say they're not as upset, but I think that that feel that Syndergaard hasn't lived up to his billing or, or is not a big not a big miss because like you mentioned, I mean this guy last year was in the top 20 percent in fastball velocity, exit velocity against ex, uh, expected weighted on base average, hard hit percent. I mean this is a guy. That when he's right and when he's on is one of the most dominant pitchers in the sport. Um, so, you know, going, and, and going a full, you know, any kind of season, whether it's half a year or whenever, you know, July, August, whenever the, whenever baseball starts up this year, not having him for X amount of starts and replacing him with a guy like Michael Walker. Um, you know, it, to me, uh, it, it's just, a, it's a sad turn of events because, you know, you were hoping that you were going to have Michael Walker as potential depth. And now that depth has turned into, you know, being put into the starting rotation. Uh, yes, it, at the back end, but now you're moving everybody else up. Um, you know, you're new, now you're moving, you know, Rick Porcello up and Stephen Matts up. And you could have had a, a much stronger uh, back of the rotation. And now that's kind of, you know, that, that void is kind of gone now with losing center guard. But, um, you know, back to your question. Yes, I think they have a decent amount of depth. Would I still be looking on the market and see what's out there? Absolutely. Um, and I, I know people have even thrown out already – uh, old friend, Matt Harvey, you know, he, who actually had an Instagram post the other day, uh, on some field, I'm not sure where he was, but he was throwing, um, you know, potentially on a minor league deal. I'm never opposed to, you know, signing somebody in a minor league deal. I mean, that just, there's no, you know, it's it's just, there's no risk there. There's only reward, I think, especially in a minor league deal. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are of, uh, bringing back old friend, Matt Harvey.
0: I'm fine with it. I think the, the whole distraction element of his return is, is probably passed over by now. Mm -hmm. Um If he actually, because realistically, he's going to come in on a minor league deal. Um, He's going to have to earn his way to the major league roster. But if he can pitch his way out of the minors and into a a vacated spot on the Mets roster, um, I think by that point, his performance either, you know, still, I mean, should speak uh, for itself. Um, You know, he was throwing strikes. I saw the same video you you were referencing and he was throwing strikes. And, you know, that's a... A grainy video on a on a backfield, but um boy, if he's feeling healthy um he's still i don't have the number in front of me, but he can't be pushing over much old much older than thirty right he hasn't hit thirty yet has he uh, i think he just
1: he's actually turning thirty one uh oh. at the end at the end of this month, so yeah he's still I mean, right. he's still
0: relatively young, you know and yeah, and with all that talent, and you know that he learned stuff from his time, you know. Uh, from, from his zenith, he definitely took stuff away. He's got to be a more seasoned pitcher. You have to imagine he knows his limits as a thrower now, and he's going to have to uh, – I'm trying to think of a good uh, – I guess one of the best. He's going to have to Tom Clavin. He's going to have to kind of embrace the um, the pitching aspect of, of, of pitching instead of right. just throwing real hard. He's going to have to embrace that whole aspect if he's going to want to succeed. But I'm totally on board with, with giving him a – a uh, uh, a very low risk uh shot
1: yeah i again, i don't see there's any i don't think there's any risk, especially you know in a minor league deal um and i think like you said, i think matt harvey uh probably has been a guy that you know i've seen you know uh some some of the, the errors in his ways from the past and and hopefully has learned from them and and is a you know a better man and a better uh professional athlete from that. Um, so I don't think it can hurt. I think you know it would, what a what a cool reclamation project and what a cool story it would be that if he actually came back into the fold in New York and, and actually pitched well, you know, and like you said, you know, he he doesn't ha- he can't rely on any more on a 95, 96 plus mile power fastball. But if he can learn to be a pitcher and utilize his stuff better and you know create pitching tunnels and and you know uh, have the, the good secondary stuff off his fastball, I think he could definitely succeed if he just learns how to you know, locate his stuff better and, and, you know, know what to throw and what counts. I think he's definitely has, I think, you know, for him, I think a lot of times it's been his head that's gotten in the way and and more so than his, uh, than his stuff and his talent. And, uh, you know, the mental side of it can be just as damning as, you know, not having, having the stuff. So I think if he's learned from his past transgressions, um, I think he could definitely be an asset
0: uh, for sure. You know, I, I want to say he was with the Oakland athletics towards the end of last season and they had him pitching out of the bullpen or they had him training out of the bullpen in the minors. And that's extremely intriguing to me because if he could still snap off a curve and if he still has decent life on his fastball and if that thing still climbs like it used to and that change up is still there and it's a lot of ifs, but boy, if he can put that all together and, uh, and he comes at a, at a very reasonable cost, I, I think that's a, that's a no brainer. And sure the whole reclamation side of it is certainly appealing you have to wonder whether Matt Harvey wants to come back to New York, but at this point in his career, I think he's going to welcome any opportunity with an open arm, with open arms.
1: Absolutely. Especially since he's still out there on side, I think, you know, at this point he'd probably take any, you know, any job uh, opening that's available to him. And I think, you know, knowing, knowing the kind of guy that, you know, he had, he was and and has been in the past, I think he would, he might welcome it. You know, he might want to kind of, um, maybe he want to, he wants to rewrite his story a little bit in New York. um, So to say, you know, maybe he doesn't want to have that lasting, you know, image of him um, from years past. I think maybe he wants to show that, you know, maybe there's still something left in the tank. And uh, like you said, if he can, you know, come back and, and, you know, learn what he can do physically and, and what he can't do and, you know, use that to his advantage to become a smarter pitcher... Why not? Why not take the chance? I think there's really all reward and very little risk there because you know if you don't like what you see from him or you don't like his attitude or whatever the case may be on a minor league deal, you know you cut him, you say goodbye, thanks a lot, you know for the tryout and you know we're going our separate ways. But on a minor league deal, I never never have any issues with signing guys like that. I think that's only that can only be that can only be a plus.
0: Yeah, and I think I kind of in a broader sense you have to kind of take a look at that waiver wire, that trash heap, so to say, and and bring in guys and give them you know, a good decent look and let Hefner and his, his, his buddies kind of, uh, you know, get a grasp of what they're looking at here and, and see if they can, if they can't find a diamond in the rough to kind of plug in there if they need it, because, you know, as, as talented as the minor league depth there is right now that the Mets have in AAA, uh, you know, as, as quality as that is, it might, it just might not be ready for, for prime time, I guess you could say. And, um, a stopgap would would certainly be nice. Shit, uh, Zach Wheeler would certainly be nice, but Oof. that that yes. ship has sailed.
1: <laughs> yes, no, definitely, definitely. And If we go down that rabbit hole, that's uh, gonna be that's uh, gonna be forty five minutes of me venting. So
0: <laughs> it's gonna be a painful conversation. Now, did you? I don't know if you follow Ted Berg on Twitter, um, former writer for FTW for USA Today, uh, avid Mets fan. Um, you know, he put up he got whispers that he heard that you can't really put, you can't, I should note, you cannot put stock into whispers. But Ted mentioned that he had heard whispers in the clubhouse regarding the frailty of Syndergaard's elbow. This is going on a couple, a handful of years ago. Um, Do you think the Mets, you know, do you have to assume that they heard these whispers and boy, you you would think that they would want to keep somebody like Zach Wheeler in the fold, and I get it. He his price just went out of their range, and I, I can I can understand that, especially considering who we're talking about in the New York Mets. But um, to not go out and I guess properly support that potential um, weakness, uh, you know. Don't get me wrong, Porcello and Walker are solid, and now they're they're extremely. Um, they're going to be leaned on very hard to to perform and kind of fill their duties. And, and that's cool. Uh, you know, a little pressure never really hurt, especially for guys who have been in the league for a while. But y- you have to wonder, you know, if they even had an inkling that Noah was working on fumes, whatever you want to call it, um, they, they, they really could have done more. <laughs> I guess that's my point.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you do wonder, and obviously, you know, we're not in there. We don't know what's going on day-to-day with, you know, the oh, Mets medical staff and all that. But, I mean, yeah, you know, there's always been talk that, you know, Syndergaard has been too much of a max effort guy. I mean, you remember a few years ago when he put on all that weight uh, and then had, I think, what was it, the lat, lat issue that year. Um, you know, I, I think he, you know, and there was even an article today um, by John Harper uh, for uh, Mets blog where he talked to a former pitching coach for the Mets, uh, Rick Peterson, And, you know, Rick was talking to John about how, um, you know, he always thought that Syndergaard would be at his best if he wasn't full max effort, you know, meaning that he didn't always try to go try to get 98, 99 miles per hour on the radar gun. And if he pitched more like DeGrom where he had, you know, he saved that little extra for later in the games when he really needed it most, you know. So if you live in that 95, 96 mile per hour range of your fastball and then have that little extra giddy up when you really need it in those moments instead of always trying to, you know – 98, 98, 98, 99 all the time. Um, you know, maybe that would have saved a little bit off his off his arm and his off his elbow as well. Um, so, you know, you you do wonder maybe you know the way that Noah was training and maybe the way that Noah's mindset was, maybe that was a hindrance to his you know overall success. You know, it's it, it's there's so many different possibilities and so many different avenues that we can go down this road with. I, I think that. You know, with Syndergaard, maybe he was just a little bit too much max effort, you know. Maybe maybe some of his mechanics were off a little bit. Um, but, you know, just knowing and seeing him pitch um, so often and, and with such, you know, max effort velocity, um, you know, you do wonder if that maybe played a part in this or, or even a bigger role in this uh, in this injury. Um, but it's just, you know, it's just funny to look back because, you know, this spring training, you know, Cindergard was talking about how you know night and day difference it was this year and how he felt so good and you know he was still pumping 97, 98, 98 miles per hour. Um, you know he looked strong in the in, in the spring training. You know no walks, 11 strikeouts over eight innings pitched, and uh, and then boom, we got this
0: news on Tuesday, which was just kind of a, a shock, I think, to everybody. Oh, definitely. And yeah, you know, and just to kind of build off what you were saying about Max effort, um, you know, I think that Cindergard is a guy who kind of wears that, oh, you know, high velocity, big spin rate. Um, I could throw a 92-mile-an-hour slider. He kind of wears that as a badge of honor. And and at times that's not really, uh, uh, I guess, a terrible thing because when he's on, like you said, he's on. He's unstoppable. But you leave yourself vulnerable for, for situations like this where, um, you know, throwing a baseball is an awkward, unnatural movement to begin with. You know, ripping a slider, twisting your elbow, contorting it in all these different ways, uh, and ripping off sliders at 92 miles an hour—that's that's, that's going to put you in, in a in a in a high risk zone. So right,
1: and his slider know. and the slider velocity was was back up a little bit this year in spring too. So you know, you wonder if maybe that played a little bit of a role too, because obviously his slider velocity. Uh, was down some last year. I think it was more in the 80, 89 mile per hour range. And this year in sprint a few times, he was getting it back to 90, 91. So, you know, maybe like that, you know, that's a good point too. Maybe that was, you know, playing a role uh, in, 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 what happened this year.
0: I, I was actually thinking along with same lines. I'm thinking maybe, and of course this is all speculation, but just looking at the stats, I mean, his average slider miles per hour was 92 miles per hour in 2018 on slider. Then you were right. It dipped down to 89.1 miles per hour last year. Um, and, and it was effective. He found a little bit more uh, more play out of his slider, and it got a little um, – it, it didn't really get touched up at all. I mean, his expected batting average against it was 152. I mean, the thing barely got touched. But, um, you know, it, it was effective. And you have to wonder maybe, oh, did he slow it down to, to give himself a little relief on the elbow if this was a, a long-lasting issue. But I guess that's all in the past now. He's going to get the surgery, and that's a whole other conversation. What do you think about that? Florida has pretty much uh, – Jared Diamond, friend of the pod, um, he reported on Wednesday morning. Uh, Florida, of course, they prohibited all elective surgeries uh, indefinitely in the, throughout the state uh, unless they're deemed essential. Um, apparently, David Alcheck has deemed this surgery essential. And uh, in the state of Florida, all they need is the doctor's word. So Noah Syndergaard is scheduled to undergo surgery on Thursday. So any thoughts there, just considering what's going on in the hospitals and such right now?
1: I guess the only thing I could say is that, you know, celebrities and athletes are, are going to get the preferential treatment, you know, and we've seen that with already with the coronavirus tests, you know, and, and again, not to get too political, obviously, but I mean, I don't think that's anything that's been kind of, that's too shocking to hear. You know, I think these, these kind of, these, celebrities are always going to get this kind of, you know, preferential treatment. They're always going to get that. And, you know, if that's all it needs is is that you need a doctor to say that, you know, it's an essential surgery, then, you know, I mean, for me as a med fan, I want to see this guy, you know, have the surgery done quick and start recovering, you know, right? I I want that to, to, you know, be the case. But obviously on the flip side, if he is somehow taking away hospital space or, you know, a surgery room from somebody else that might really need it in, in these, in these, uh, unprecedented times, then obviously that's, you know, that's, that's not good. But, um, you know, beyond that, I, I don't want to speculate cause I just don't know if, you know, all that goes into that. But I mean, as, as long as I guess they went around about this, the, the right path to, in order to get that surgery for Syndergaard, then, you know, I guess that that's fine.
0: It, it seems like they did go about it the right way. And if, again, if this is the law, this is the law and it is what it is, I guess, You know, a certain part of me kind of cringes just a little bit considering everything that's going on with the coronavirus. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, Noah Syndergaard is a contracted employee of the New York Mets. He's a a multi-million dollar asset for a multi-billion dollar corporation. This is... um, I guess par for the course. And yeah, whatever exactly. gets him back, whatever gets him back on the field faster. And uh, I, I could also see the essential angle from that point too. So, right, uh, right.
1: I'm sure there's ways to you know to to write it out or to make it sound like it is an essential uh, surgery. You know, there's always you know same thing with the like insurance companies, right? I mean, you can always you know certain certain wording and, and certain ways going about it. You can always kind of make things you know appear in your favor. Let's say so. You know, but like I said as long as you know if he, if he gets the surgery, he's getting it tomorrow, I believe um, you know gets him on gets him back to recovery sooner rather than later then you know let's get let's get him let's get him recovered.
0: Finding the angle also works for Twitter arguments too. You just gotta find that one little angle and then you got it you're, you're <laughs> exactly man exactly <laughs> Find your narrative. <laughs> Exactly. Find that wording, that perfect, that perfect phrase, turn a phrase. That's it. So, um, <laughs> so wh- when do we think baseball has a chance at returning that? Do, do we have, uh, is there a time frame in your mind? So uh, how I'm thinking is that the CDC gave us that eight week window um, pretty much the middle of March, which is about 10 days ago. Uh, odds, you know, let's just round about, let's say that's the middle of May. If that holds true, maybe we get a mid-June opening day. It doesn't look like it's holding true at this point, um, especially not in major cities. And If it spreads like it has in New York City, um, this could be just... Uh, we were saying before we hit the record button, these are just uncertain times. Uh, I, I, I don't want to believe that there's not going to be baseball played this year, but it's very hard for me to shut that idea out of my out of my thought process at this point. Um, where do you stand, Matt?
1: Yeah, no, I mean you you hit it right on the head. I, I think especially, you know, if you turn on the T V every day and you hear all this, you know, all this news and that it's potentially gonna get worse again in April before it gets, you know, get bigger, before it gets better, it's hard to hard to picture when baseball or, you know, really, you know, sports and entertainment in general are gonna start back up. But um, I think the best case probably would be mid June. I'm going with you on that, especially, you know, let's say let's say, you know, mid May to to late May, they can start up, you know, uh, the secondary spring training, if you will, to you know get you know to ease guys back in a little bit and get their throwing programs under 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 control. And then, you know, if you want to try to get, you know, let's say that's a two two and a half week period, um, yeah, I think you know I think mid June would probably be the best case right now. And honestly, you know, that is so up in the air that it, it changes every day. You know, I mean, I, li- we literally could come back on next week and that, all those plans get thrown out the window and we're talking about, you know, late June, August, at this, I mean, late, late July, August at this point. You know, it's, it's so unprecedented at these times that I, I think I was talking to somebody the other day on Twitter and we were going back and forth and I, we, we both came up with the kind of consensus that, yeah, I mean, I think talking June baseball is really probably the best case scenario right now and, and you know, anything, anything earlier than that, I think it really is a pipe dream. Um, but I, I would, you know, and, and then even with that though, even if baseball does start back up and we talked about the same thing last time on the podcast is that, you know, there, that might still mean no fans in the stands. Um, you know, especially if there's that, you know, the social distancing, um, protocols in place. So, you know, while baseball might be back, it might not be, you know, the full, you know, full quality of baseball that, you know, fans are, are accustomed to and players are accustomed to, honestly. But, uh, I think we both agreed last time, just, just getting baseball back in general. Uh, as long as everything, you know, as long as. It's safe for for all that are out there playing and watching and, and so forth is is okay. But uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think the probably the best time frame right now would, would probably be mid June at at this point.
0: Oh, I think that's the probably the most hopeful window we have right now. Um, just I, I'm worried that all right. So let's say here comes July 4th. All right, and I know I guess ESPN. Um, Jeff uh, Jeff Passan. Um. I had a story come out early Wednesday morning, very early Wednesday morning. It came out at like 4 a.m. Uh, only I'm up at these hours, Matt. Um, <laughs> I and, sure as so, hell not. <laughs> oh, dude, I've I, I been up at like 4.45. I've been home from work for two days now. I was telling you before we hit record, um, I'm, I'm self-quarantining while I'm awaiting tests because my employer, were considered essential employees, and uh, I had a fever. So my employer said, get a test, and I was able to get a test. Thank you so much to the, uh, to the wonderful doctors over at City MD. by the way. Uh, huge shout out to them, got me in and out, and I was able to get a test. And I even said I don't want to take this from someone who, who really needs a test, and they said, nope, for some reason I, I qualified for a test. So I wasn't going to argue, but uh, oh, boy, what was I just going to say? I lost my train of thought, man. Well, you know what while
1: we're here we we'll wish i'm I'm certainly wishing you, and I'm sure all the listeners are wishing you a speedy recovery and all the best, and uh you know get well soon, man, because we, we can't have you out either for too long.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm okay um I, again i I went in I had a very mild fever, like a hundred degrees uh I woke up today with again a very mild fever, it was like ninety nine and that's the extent of my symptoms, so uh should get test results back in a couple of days, otherwise, I am isolated. To my bedroom. Uh, my wife and the kids are avoiding me at all costs, so nothing really different from normal. Great <laughs> <laughs> shot. I, I hope Andrew can add the, the, the I hope he can. <laughs> but if he can, that's okay. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of rolling with it. Uh, I guess I'm a little more stressed out stressed out than I thought I was going to be uh, regarding waiting for the test results. It's but a waiting I, game, yeah. It really is. Uh, but I feel fine. I'm just worried about Uh, you know, passing along to my family, but.
1: Right. Well, at least you were proactive with it and, you know, you did the right thing and and you are doing the right thing. So like I
0: said, man, speedy recovery, man. We're wishing you the best. Thanks buddy. And uh, yeah, otherwise I think I am pretty sure he touched on all our bases. I, for the life of me, I can't remember where I was going earlier. Oh, I know
1: you were talking about Jeff Passan's early morning article.
0: Oh, okay. So let's say we start. Thank you, bro. Oh, it's a good spot to finish up on too. Yes. So let's say, if he was talking about a potential 4th of July weekend opening day, which I think would be awesome, uh, with lots of double headers, I'm paraphrasing, but it's, it's a, it's a, a liberal amount of double headers throughout the season, which I'm also pretty cool with. I don't know how how tenable that's going to be for, for the players and, uh, how long the season's going to extend into the winter. Let's say you have world series games approaching Thanksgiving, possibly. um, hopefully earlier, but you know, these guys have to get ready for spring training again in a couple of months after that. So there's certainly a lot to work out. I'm just, um, I'm hopeful. I guess we're all hopeful. I know we spoke about it last time. This brings us all a sense of comfort watching baseball and this is going to be out on Thursday morning. So happy non-opening day to everybody. Uh, You know, today's a tough day. Today's a tough day for all of us. We're baseball fans. This is supposed, this is like our Christmas and, you know, uh, rolling with the punches. I know I said that earlier, but it's kind of what we have to do. Uh,
1: no, it, it absolutely. The sooner is. the better.
0: That's all. That's that's what I. That's the bottom line. The sooner the better. Whenever it's safe, um, you know, if safety says that we can't start baseball this year, we're going to have to grin and bear it. As much as that hurts to say or think that, um, you know, it's it's certainly a, an option. It certainly uh, uh, has the potential to, to happen at this point because. Nothing certain
1: right and I mean it, nothing certain because we're living in uncertain times you know this is so <laughs> un, un, this is so unprecedented and you know we're all kind of going through this together as a country and 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 um you know I, I think that it's and in some aspects you know it's it's bring maybe us closer a little bit you know maybe it's sure. it's putting politics a little bit aside and maybe it's bringing us closer to family cuz we're kind of all you know bunkered in together now right and and, and doing things without having the entertainment and having sports but uh, but like you said though i mean for people that are so in love with the sport of baseball, Um, you know, and we both obviously are are big big fanatics. Um, You know, it's tough. It's tough not turning on the TV and and having baseball start. And it's tough not having, you know, updates and news and, you know, Twitter comments and and articles and all that. Now we're talking about, you know, when will the season start? And and now we're trying to find out, like with Passan's article, about all the, uh, you know, all the different ramifications that have to go into place with uh, MLB and the Players Association trying to, you know, kind of figure out, you know, service time and, uh, you know, arbitration and, uh, you know, payroll and and who's going to get paid when. And, you know, obviously minor league pay is a big thing and the draft. And, uh, minor league, man. Yeah, it's the big thing. And, and you know, how about games at neutral sites? And, you know, um, yeah. you know, there's so many different things that are coming into play that, you know, we started getting a little bit of news coming out today. I think Joel Sherman had some. Uh, Jeff Passon, like you said, had some. So, you know, I think they're coming closer to hopefully having some, some deal in place and we'll obviously, you know, let you guys know the details when we do, when we get it. But uh there's so much in terms of the you know, the front office aspect of the sport that we're still waiting to hear about, which, you know, to me is interesting obviously. And uh, you know, that's kind of the news that we have right now and that's kinda of all we we do have in terms of our, our baseball related information is wondering, you know, all these different, you know, What some people might think are my new details, which are, you know, much bigger details to people that are in the sport because it has to do with, you know, their paydays.
0: (laughs) Sure. Oh, and, you know, you're going to start. I think uh, the longer this drags out, especially other sports, you know, you have NHL or NBA teams that might be in small markets. Um, The longer this drags out, you might see teams, you know, temporarily cease operations. And that's a scary, scary idea for for anyone involved and, you know down to you know just you know office staff for a, for a team's front office i mean these are people with homes and livings and families and you know they they got bills to pay man so yeah this is um you know it's, i guess you're right it's a way to bring us all together it's relatable um we all have we're kind of fighting the same fight right now and it's it's uh it's wild um how are you passing your time as we're in week whatever of this quarantine
1: uh, well, I'm so, I'm still working. Uh, I I work for the New York Times um, as a news assistant um, outside, oh, of Met's, outside of outside of Mesmerized and uh, we've been home. Uh, we've been working at home now for about a week and a half, so I'm just kind of adjusted to working at home. So I have like my same kind of quirky night, morning, night, morning schedule. So it's a little easier not having to take a bus in and out uh, to Poor Authority and such from New Jersey. So that's at least that's nice, you know. So I have. A little bit more yeah. time at home, and uh, you know, just watching a lot of TV shows, movies, uh, you know, hanging out with my girlfriend, and uh, you know, I'm trying to not get too uh, too fat here, not having the gym open, and not having <laughs> all my all all the facilities I used to go to, man. So just you know, trying to kind of take it day by day, man. You know, our our dog is loving it. Our dog, we have a two year old dog who's uh, attached to our hip, basically, and uh, she's mm-hmm. loving. It. Mom and Dad being home all the time, so it's uh she has a lot of our a lot of our attention too. But uh, what about you? What, what's what's going on with you at home?
0: Ah, uh, what are we doing? Um, I've been loving SNY playing Mets games for the past couple of days. I'm really digging that. Yeah, uh, I switched over to MLB Network for a little bit. I caught Randy Johnson's perfect game, nice. um, with Arizona, which a very brief fun story. The night that that was played, it was May 18th, 2004. That's actually the one-year anniversary of my and my, my future wife's one-year dating anniversary. We've been dating for one year. Uh, we went out to an early dinner, and I poked my head up and only glanced. I swear I was only glancing at the TV by the bar, and I, I happened to see that it was a no-hitter through like four innings. So I'm like, oh, let's let's stop at my house after we leave. Dinner. I just gotta grab something. Right. So we start. Of course, I'm like, "Oh, look, the game's on." (laughs) We ended up. I I held her there pretty much all night watching Randy Johnson's perfect game. We finally went out around ten o'clock and we met up with some friends and we had a nice night. But yeah, she'll always remember that. And she's not even a baseball fan.
1: I mean, at least he threw a perfect game, man. Imagine if he made her (laughs) wait all that time, and God forbid he gave up a hit in the ninth inning.
0: I, I, You know, I hooked her with it. Come on, he's 40 years old, and he throws weird <laughs> <his laughs> ankle. Come on, look at him. It's cool. And she's like, it's oh, it kind of, she's like, it is kind of funky. All right, we'll watch it. I'm like, yeah, she's a keeper. And here we are. Oh, God. Nice. Uh, I can't do math. 16 years later?
1: God bless, her, man. Look at that. You see? Yeah. That is a, definitely is a keeper, man. You can get her <laughs> going out and making sure that you have to watch this Randy Johnson p- potential perfect game, man. I, you, you can't let her go. After that, was, no way.
0: Dude, we're we're in our early 20s. She just wants to go out and have some fun. This is pre-kids, barely pre-kids, but (laughs) pre-kids. There you go. And you know what's
1: what's even crazier, though, about that Manny John's perfect game is that that was in 2004, right? He went on another five years to pitch
0: after that. Oh, yeah. And that's crazy. If I remember correctly, smoked the Mets. He was in his last year with the Giants, and we faced him once right towards the end. And he pitched, like, seven innings of, like, two-run ball. He looked excellent.
1: Unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, it was fun watching his career, man. He he was some kind of gamer on the mound, especially with that height and that arm angle. My God. I, I just remember John John Crook in that All-Star game. Uh, I, would, I would be just like, I mean, I'm not a lefty batter, but if I was, that would be, I would not even get in the box. I would just be like, yeah, I'm just going to take take the strike. I, I, know.
0: I am a lefty batter, and I would go over to the right side because nobody <laughs> wants to face that.
1: No, definitely not. Definitely not. Oh,
0: no, no. no. But, uh, but, yeah, and one more thing, and it's not even a real plug, but I've been enjoying it so much. Uh, Phil Hughes, former former major league pitcher, he has a YouTube channel called Phil's Pulls. Now, anyone who's into like opening baseball cards, you know, you know that kind of like thrill you get when you open a package of cards. Oh, sure, I used to love doing that. Yep. Yeah, it, it's it's like it's it's almost like it's it, it, for me. It's like a thrill. It's like watching the dice roll at a on a at a, at a casino. It, it's it gives me a little baby rush and it's fun. And what's he gonna
1: what's he gonna pull you know autographs little, game used yeah it's
0: little things in life even when i open up my own and you know phil buys these expensive sets of cards and he goes through all of them and boy he puts the camera like right on his forehead and he gets to watch him go through and it, it brings you that rush of opening up cards so for us poor people who can't afford you know fifteen hundred dollar <laughs> boxes of cards um it, it really it it it, it, it Scratches a lot of itches and it's pretty it's pretty damn cool. So you know what, check that out. It's Phil's pulls on uh, on YouTube.
1: I will definitely have to watch. because I, I used to love watching. There were some other YouTube channels where the, you know guys from different stores would open up boxes and you know pull pull some amazing cards. But I always find it cool that like you know either current or former, obviously in Phil's Phil's case former players, you know because he's big into like getting autographs. I think I saw he had like a beautiful like Fernando Tatis Jr. autograph card that he pulled. And it's, you know, considering that, you know, he was, you know, a good pitcher, you know, back in the day, it's like, I just find it really cool that he, you know, collects autographs of guys that either he played with or, you know, probably could very easily get autographs from considering that, you know, he probably still knows a ton of guys in the
0: league and for him to go out there and still kind of collect, I think it's just kind of wild. Oh, it's awesome. And you could tell, like, you know, he's a, he, he, it, it almost seems like he was able to switch off that, that switch from player back to fan so easily. And, um, you know, he doesn't – he goes through a box, and he doesn't drop, like, stories about guys or anything like that. But, boy, just from a collector's standpoint, it, it's so exciting. <laughs> it's like those kids who, like – you know, I got my buddy's kid. He likes to watch um, other kids play bowling, play wee Bowling on YouTube. Yeah, he, like, absolutely. He oh, he loves it. I'm like, all right, cool, man. Whatever whatever floats your boat. But I, I can't say shit because I'm watching other men open up. Fucking packages of baseball cards. So you <laughs> really you, can't judge.
1: Do you? Do you collect cards yourself? I do.
0: I do. I I, I was into it as a kid, uh, big time. And in Hurricane Sandy, I'm down on the south shore of Long Island. Uh, we lost everything in the basement. Our basement filled up like a bucket right to the ceiling, oh, and man. that included all my baseball cards, or most of them. So uh, oh, that hurts. My, that hurts. Oh, that was you know that again. It took a back seat. Um, my parents lost a lot of their uh uh like pictures, like pictures and videos and stuff like that from Oh man, I'm sorry bro- to hear that. Oh yeah, you know that was yeah, that was a, a tough day watching my mom go through that. I guess, you know, we had a dumpster on the side of the house and we just kinda had to say, what can we save? And she's going through her stuff and each box was just a new set of tears. But yeah, you know, that was uh, uh tough times and Hurricane Sandy made us all stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know, um, my youngest daughter, Lily, she's nine now. She'll be 10 next month. Uh, I'm sorry, in May. We're not in April yet. Uh, almost there. Yeah, almost there. A couple of years ago, she, you know, I, I was going through whatever I had left, and she's, you know, showing an interest. So I'm like, all right, cool. We'll start collecting cards. And I guess this was end of the season 2018, possibly. So, you know, we I got the 2018 full set, and we put them all into teams and stuff, and um. Of course, I put away my Acuna and Otani rookies and stuff like that. But you know, since then, um, every couple of weeks, you know, I'll get like one of the hobby boxes. If I could find one of the nice upper, like uh, a Bowman Chrome or a Topps Chrome, without just spending too much ridiculous money, because boy, people mark those things up like fivefold. It's ridiculous. Jeez. But uh, yeah, I got a couple of Laddies. I got a couple of Tatis. I got a shitload of Pete Alonzo rookies. Nice. Whole uh, lots of those, man. Yeah, yeah, oh, I'm getting. I'm doing. I'm, once PSA opens back up, the, the card grading company. Yes, uh, they've closed their operations through all the the coronavirus stuff. So, uh, I'm putting the order together. I'm going to get some stuff graded, and uh, yeah, hopefully turn a thing into it. And there's there's brother Phil who's still yet to make an appearance on the pod, but he will soon. He's calling me right now. But I think that's my cue. I, I, we're going to – we'll sign off. Matt, uh, what do you got coming out this week? I know you've been very busy on the interview front. I just caught something recently, and my notes are nowhere to be found, and I can't think of who it was.
1: Uh, I, so recently uh, I had J.J. Putz on our J- come out with them. Yeah, that came out last week, and I'm still – um. procrastinating. i got to get on. I have to transcribe still. Mark Simon of uh, Sports Info Solutions spoke with me last week about uh, the Fielding Bible, Volume 5, which is out now, and also about uh, all things Mets defense. And also uh, former relief pitcher Eric O'Flaherty will be two that I should hopefully have out within the next week, week and a half.
0: Oh, nice. I'm looking forward to O'Flaherty. I read Puts. God, I tried so hard not to say putts. And I said I fucked it up just because I was trying so hard. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure he's heard that a million times. I'm sure he has. And I'm sorry, JJ. I really tried not to, and I I psyched myself out. But, uh, but yeah, I, I read that one. That was excellent, nice, cool, fun insight. And, you know, you always turn out these great interviews. I'm looking forward to the next one every time.
1: Oh, man, I appreciate that. Thank you, dude. I appreciate it. And I always <laughs> love reading your stuff too, man. I love your your insight on Metsamorize. It's phenomenal. So if you guys haven't read Tim's stuff on Metsamorize, He's got such a good, just like brain for Mets, everything Mets, and he's just he's just a smart read. So if you haven't already, make sure you're looking up Tim Ryder on Mets rise because his stuff is his stuff is legit. I'm telling you.
0: All right, we appreciate that, bud. Um, I, I guess you know I will plug our stuff out at MMO real quick. We have our 20th anniversary of the 2000 season stuff starting to churn out. Uh, I guess we had our off-season review, which was out last week. Our season review. Uh, our season preview, I should say, uh, for the 2000 Mets will be coming out, I believe, Thursday, or if not Thursday, Friday. And, uh, yeah, keep an eye. We're going to recap each week of the season as we're going through it. Um, you'll get to meet a few more of our Mets Marized writers. And, uh, yeah, we're going to dig deep into a couple of, I guess, uh, individual performances and such. And, yeah, it's hopefully it, uh, it'll continue to, to to I guess gain momentum as we continue into this endless abyss of no baseball. So at least I'll focus my 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 uh, my attention somewhere, and we'll go back twenty years, which absolutely. was fun, which was pretty fun in its own right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: <laughs> but and you know, also we are ho- hoping that you know along this sh- along the season we'll be able to get some uh, former two thousand Mets possibly on the podcast, maybe to interview and you know reminisce about the season. So you know hopefully we'll uh we'll have a few names you know in the foreseeable future that we can uh kind of talk to and and go back in time and and speak about that uh that fun season
0: I hope so man I know we've been trying to get a few things in the works and hopefully those things will pan out but uh yeah stay tuned I know we have we have certain plans that we'd like to see come to fruition we'll leave it we'll leave it at that
1: yes absolutely
0: yeah, leave it a little, a little, a little allure at the end of the episode. But all right, everybody. Matt, thanks again for coming on, buddy. This is always a blast.
1: My pleasure. Anytime, Tim.
0: All right, guys, and of course, subscribe, rate, review. You know where to find us anywhere you find your podcasts, and uh, we'll be back. We're we're going to try and keep everybody updated throughout this whole uh, ordeal. And of course, everybody stay safe and let's go, Mets. We'll see you soon. Yeah!